Welcome to the Parent Coach Podcast, where family problems are simplified. I'm your host, Brant Noe. I'm a licensed clinical social worker that has specialized working with children and families throughout my career. The intent of this podcast is to help you simplify the challenges you're facing at home, build your self-awareness and insight, offer you advice, ideas, and teach you skills to develop healthy and effective relationships with your children so that you can have hope for their future and the confidence that you can deal with all the challenges that come with growing up. Hey, welcome back to the podcast. This is Brant Noe, the parenting coach. And today I'm going to reflect on a session I had with a parent this week that I thought would actually be good for for all of you. Because she asked the question of what do you do when you have one child who's jealous of the other? And often the way that was showing up, the way it showed up for her was that her daughter was being unkind to her younger brother. And so as we started to explore this topic, we got to the idea that it was that the underlying issue was jealousy. And so my advice to her, because she asked, what do you tell a parent on how to help their child who has jealousy? Hopefully this will be a helpful topic for you. And away we go. So the first thing we have to do is when you are evaluating for something like, is your child jealous of another child? Is you have to determine whether or not it's justified. I can say for certainly there are certain things I treat my son different than I treat my daughter. One of that's because she's a girl and she's younger. And one of that's because he's a boy and he's the oldest. Uh, Those things play factors into how we treat our children. And so there might actually be justification for why your child is experiencing jealousy about the other child. Because oftentimes they feel like they want to be treated the same, but helping them understand that they are different and so therefore they're going to be treated different is an important lesson for them to learn because not everything in his life is fair and not everything has to be the same and that's a really important lesson so if you have a child that's jealous of their sibling because they get treated in a way that they don't then it's good to explore that because what they're concerned about might actually be real and or justified And so if it's justified, then you've got to decide, okay, well, how do I approach that? Because if it's justified, then you might approach that by saying, okay, well, let me explain to you the differences of why I treat you this way and why I treat you that way. So for instance, my daughter likes to have time to herself. And so I give her more space. I don't get up and go talk to her right away. I give her time. Whereas my son, when he's upset, I will get up and I will go after him and sit with him and talk through it with him after giving him the the hug he needs because he needs to process it differently than she does. And so if they were to ask, why do you treat us differently? I would say, because you're different people. You have different needs. You have different wants. You have different challenges based on your birth order. You have different challenges based on your likes and interests and the way that you deal with people. And so it's really important to realize that there might be some valid reasons why your kids are jealous of the other. The solution at the end of it is the same one we're going to get to, even if they're jealous and their jealousy is unjustified. And if their jealousy is unjustified, which means that there is really no justification for their jealousy, they're just experiencing jealousy and they don't know why. And this is important when kids don't know why they're experiencing jealousy. And this isn't just kids because Again, hopefully we're raising children better than than we were raised ourselves. Not that our parents did a bad job, but we know more now than we did back then. And so there's a lot of adults who experience these same things, these same agonizing questions. And so what happens is, and this was true with my client because her daughter actually said this, 
was that she was experiencing a void. There was something in her that there wasn't ever going to be enough love. There wasn't ever going to be enough of this thing she needed that was going to make her or help her to feel not jealous. And all kids have these things. All people have these things. We've talked about it for my children. For my son, it's very different. He has a really hard time of seeing he's capable of doing things. And so that's his life challenge to work on. But where does that come from, really? And I've talked about it in previous podcasts before, that that challenge actually isn't his challenge because it just randomly chose him. That challenge is his challenge because he inherited that challenge from me. And so the first question I asked the mom was, did you ever have an experience or did your husband ever have an experience when you were children, you weren't getting the love and attention you wanted as a child? And she said immediately, oh my gosh, that's me. That's me. hundred percent. She's like, I was the middle child. I had two older siblings and two younger siblings. And I just never felt like I was getting my needs met. And this is why I really do think parents, when they get the problem at the, when they can figure out the problem at the right difficulty, parents are the best solutions to their kids' problems because they know and can empathize so clearly with what their child is suffering through. And at this point now, they've learned so many of life's lessons that they have a better understanding of how they might solve this problem. So I, the mom was talking about how she takes her daughter to get her toes done and, and they go on walks together and they spend time reading at night together. And she's like, Brand, I do all of these things with my daughter. She still feels jealous. And this is that unknown hurt, that void, because kids don't really know where it comes from. They just feel it. And so the question then is, how do we fill the void for our children and help them overcome this challenge? Because her daughter doesn't want to be jealous. She actually doesn't like it very much, but she also doesn't know what to do with it because it's, it's this kind of unknown struggle because in all reality, she inherited that struggle from her mom. And we've talked at times about epigenetics, but epigenetics is a great way to understand how we transfer both our strengths and our challenges onto our children. So there's a really good book called It Didn't Start With You. Uh, that is a great book to read to understand this concept and to understand more about how we pass on our struggles and our strengths to our children throughout their developmental process. And so realizing that there are strengths also then gives very clear indication that the likelihood is we actually have the solutions to those problems embedded in us because we've suffered those things. We've overcome them to some degree. And that's why parents are the best possible coaches for their children on how to overcome the challenges of growing up. As I was talking to this mom, we talked about the idea of what happens if you don't address this. The research on this is pretty clear. Challenge will get passed down to another generation. So we were talking about when a kid in their, in their neighborhood was not actually very kind to her daughter. And so she was talking with the mom and the mom was saying, well, no one really likes to play with my daughter. And so she's like, I asked my daughter, she's like, well, why don't kids like playing with you? And her daughter said, well, I'm really kind. I'm really nice. It's not my fault. And, and the response seemed to be, it's always not my fault. We're talking about a nine-year-old right now. Now imagine if a nine-year-old got into the habit of always externalizing blame and not being able to take and hold accountability for their behavior and the impact it has on others. If you, if you take that out over the next 10 years, 
What do you think that person would be like as an adult? They would probably have multiple jobs. They would probably have a hard time handling relationships. They'd probably be in and out of things all the time because when the challenges arise and they don't know how to self-correct or take feedback to make corrections and blaming everyone else, it means you're always kind of living in this hostile environment. And at that point, you're so kind of dug into your habit that it's going to be hard for anyone to give you any real feedback that you're going to take in and, and learn this lesson. See, the thing is, is that right now the stressor is very minimal. As your kids get older, the stressor becomes much more difficult to hold on to and to handle and to face. And so as we help our kids confront the stressors of now, such as taking feedback about maybe how you're mean. And I think I've talked about the scenarios that my kid came home to me one day and he said, dad, I'm getting bullied. This was like back in the third grade, second or third grade. And I said, okay, well, what are you doing, buddy, to, to kind of bring this about? And he's like, well, I'm not doing anything, Dad. It's there. They're the ones being mean. I said, okay. So I went because I knew well enough to realize that all relationships take two. All problems take two. And so I went to the school one day, sat outside the, his, his playground during lunchtime, and I watched. And sure enough, some boys came over, and they took his hat away. And he did a good job because I had talked to him about going to the, the yard duty lady and asking for help. And he did that. He went over to her, asked her for help. And, and sure enough, she got his hat back from, from the kids. But then something interesting happened. He took his hat and he kind of started pointing at it and kind of laughing at the boys like, ha ha ha, I got it back. So when he got home, I said, don't do that. You do that. And you're justifying them being mean to you because that's just as bad as what they're doing. And this might actually be why you're doing it, because you're overreacting to, to them being playful. And so now they just are kind of inspired to be mean to you. And so if you don't want people to be mean to you, then you can't do things like that and antagonize them and not expect them to respond. But if I don't teach him that lesson, and then he learns to play the victim role, where every time something bad happens to him, he gets help from an authority figure, the authority figure steps in and, and helps him out, and... And then he goes and he becomes kind of bratty toward the other kids. Well, then he kind of deserves to get picked on. But if he only sees it as it's their problem and not his problem, then he's never going to take responsibility for what he does. And as he gets older, the consequences, i.e. the stressors, only get more severe. So it's an important lesson for him to learn. And it was an important lesson to make sure that I taught him about his role in dealing with kids who are bullies. And that's kind of what parenting is. Parenting is really about developing habits in your children that will serve them in the long term. And so when you're, when you're stuck doing that or when you're not doing that, then they're going to develop habits that often, that often won't serve them. And so one of the things I've actually said to quite a few number of clients this week is, is that when you sacrifice long-term gain to feel better in the short term, so when that mother doesn't challenge her child's behavior, and, and get feedback from other people to give her insight into what's going on with her behavior when she can ignore, deny, ignorance is bliss that away, then she's not going to do any of the parenting that's necessary, which means she's not going to help her daughter develop the habits that are going to help her later in life in dealing in relationships with people. Because life is simply relationships with people, which means that life is going to be exceptionally harder for her as she grows up, because it'll be harder to maintain a job, harder to make friends, harder to be in intimate relationships. What you want to do is you want to take on the difficulties of now 
so that it's easier in the future and you're likely to increase future success. So if I don't go talk to my son and that behavior persists and becomes a habit and a pattern of his social interaction, it will inevitably make his life harder. If you've got a young lady in the community who doesn't understand that the way she acts towards others is going to make kids not like her and her mom is purposefully possibly ignoring the challenge and she probably is because she doesn't necessarily know how to deal with it and that's okay that's why you get help but if you don't deal with it then eventually that habit's going to continue and be worse i hope that makes sense but now let's bring all this back around to the idea of jealousy and i'll give you four steps on how to address this because that void how we choose to fill that void is going to impact our future. It's go we are going to develop habits around how we choose to fill this void because that void is there and it's real. And it is there for everyone. But everyone's void is a little bit different. Everyone has something they're trying to heal. Everyone has something that has been passed on to them that they don't understand and they can't make sense of and they don't know where it comes from and they don't know what to do. Luckily for my client, her daughter was actually able to articulate, Mom, I just feel this void that I can't fill. And I thought, what an amazing way for her to articulate the problem, because it's absolutely the right way. And so then the conversation was, okay, well, how do we fill that void? The first thing you're going to do in trying to help fill that void is just help them explore the factors that lead to it. You're going to have to, because the goal is, is you want to bring this into their consciousness of what it is. And this is where, again, this mom has the ability to use her own life as an example. So the first thing that she should do is say, honey, I know exactly what you're struggling with. And then tell her story about how she felt that she was kept out or felt like she got less than her, her siblings. And then figure out, okay, how to solve the problem. That level of empathy Helping your daughter feel understood, help your daughter feel like she can understand where it comes from and give her kind of an objective perspective about it because now it's not her problem. It's a generational problem that needs to get solved and that you're here to help them. Man, what a way, an, an amazing way to start off that conversation. And so you want to help your child explore those factors and understand those factors so that they can have a grasp on the idea of what it is they're trying to solve. And we got to stay away from judgment because her jealousy is not good or bad. It can become bad, but right now it just is. It is the challenge in front of her. And you as parents have the ability to overcome the challenge or you as partners have the ability to help your partner overcome the challenge because the first thing you have to do is identify what it is and make sense of it. Because once you can do that, then, then the solution actually gets pretty easy. So the second step we talked about is just teamwork. This is probably one of the most important like skills I assign to families with siblings is the idea that we are a team and how we work as a team is really fundamentally important. And so I generally, when my kids aren't getting along, I always bring it back to teamwork. How are we working together to reach our goal? So one, we have to have a goal. That's part of it. And we've talked about that in other podcasts. So we go back to what's our goal. What is it we're trying to accomplish? And how are we working together? And so then when her daughter's being jealous and mean to her brother, then the question is, okay, what, are, what, what is it we're working towards and how can, we, how can we work better? 
And so it's keeping them focused moving forward. Because they because people like to move forward. They like to accomplish things. And so focusing on teamwork is not, again, it's not an idea of we're good or bad. It's just, are we working towards our goal or are we not working towards our goal? And if we're not working towards our goal, then great. Let's, let's get back on track with working to our, towards our goal. Because everybody on the way to every goal gets off track. And if that's bad, if we judge that as being bad, then that means we have to judge everybody. And sometimes we get off track to our goals for lots of different reasons. There are lots of things that take us out of alignment. The trick is, is that can we recognize how to get back into alignment and then teach our kids how to get back into alignment, which is really uh, chapter one in my course, Parenting to Potential. I think it's one of the most powerful things we can do is how to get back into, first, how to recognize when we're out of alignment and then how to get back into alignment. And an easy way to teach this is teamwork because then we have to get everyone on the same page moving in the same direction. And it's easier to do that because it's, it's outside of you. Whereas inside of you, it's, it's a little harder to do, but it's still very doable. It's just something you got to practice. But you as a parent can really teach your kids this idea through the value of teamwork. The next step is, is to teach them to take accountability for their behavior. The main challenge she had was that her daughter could not recognize that what she was doing was wrong. I think this is a little bit of ignorance as bliss because it was easier to deflect and to deny that what was happening. And so the, the question is, well, how do you get them to then take accountability for their behavior? And the mom actually used an interesting intervention, said, well, I'm going to treat you the way you're treating your brother for a little bit here and we'll see how you like it. And she said after about an hour, her daughter broke down and said, I don't like this very much. And she says, okay, well, how do you think your brother feels when you treat him like this? And she says, not good. Now, that's a very useful skill. I would not use that skill all the time. What she's doing in that moment is she's trying to develop her daughter's empathy, her daughter's ability to understand how it makes other people feel when she acts that way. Now, I've been working with this client long enough that I think her daughter is actually intelligent enough to know exactly what she's doing. It's just easier to try to deflect. So then the question is, well, what's a good way to help your child take the accountability and responsibility for the behavior? And this is, we've, I've talked about it in terms of what I do with my kids, is when my kids are fighting, I ask them, what's the problem? Now, what happens in most worlds is that they say, well, they did this and they did this and they did this, and that is going to get you nowhere. And so again, who do I want my kids to be? I want them to be the type of people who can take accountability. So what we do is when I say, what's the problem, my kids respond with, and it's taken a long time to teach them this, but my kids respond with, here's what I'm doing to make the problem worse. Because the moment they do that, they have to take accountability for their behavior. They have to acknowledge it and take ownership of what they're doing. That's what I want them to do at it, because once they take ownership for it, and you can see it in their little faces when they take ownership for it, and their face falls, and they go, oh, I'm yelling at my brother you can see they feel bad about it. But now me as the adult, I'm not going to get mad about it because they just took responsibility for it. And so I'm like, great, thanks for taking responsibility for it. What, do we, what can we do differently? And then we start moving forward again. So I don't have to get stuck in trying to get them to, to admit to me what they did wrong because they have to admit to me. And if they say the most amazing words, I don't know, they know that that's the setup to the next statement, which comes from my mouth, which is, well, then ask your sibling. 
And that's a tough one because now the sibling gets to rat you out. Not only do they get to rat you out, but you've given them permission. You've asked them now for what did I do wrong? What am I doing to make the situation worse? And now the sibling gets to, to tell them exactly what you did. But they're more likely to sit and hear that. And then I get to say, does that sound like something you did? And I've never had a time where my, where my kid has said no. No, I did. That's what I did. Okay. So you did this and you did this. And then I will ask them, what's the goal that they're trying to reach? What are they trying to do? What we're trying to play together. Okay, great. How do you need to solve the problem? Then they learn to solve the problem, which goes back to that idea of teamwork. As they do these things, this is what's going to help them improve their behavior. Now it doesn't solve the void question yet. We're going to get to that, but this is how I would coach a parent through trying to deal with a kid uh, when your kids don't get along, but specifically if you've got one kid's jealous of the other. Because what happens is, is that they often deny or don't understand or don't see the impact of their jealousy on the other person or the way they treat them. But the reason I don't go after them is because if I treat them differently by saying, well, why are you being jealous? Why do you act like this? Why do you do this? Then it looks like I am treating them differently. Whereas if I wait to when they're, they're, they're squawking at each other, then in that moment, I can treat them exactly the same. And I can use this moment to coach them and parent them on how to be their best. So you can do the intervention. It was a good intervention because it was trying to teach her daughter empathy, where she reflected back for an hour about how she treated her brother so that she can experience and go, yeah, I don't like that. That's a fine intervention. There is nothing wrong with that one. But I really like the idea. I really like the notion of doing it as a family. And the more you do it as a family, the more you ensure teamwork, the more you're going to help your children fill those voids. So the last step is the mom was telling me about talking to her daughter about listing off all the things that she does with her daughter. And her daughter's like, yeah, no, we do all those things. One of the challenges for, for many people is that we can't see what's right with the world. We can't see the good things that are happening in front of us because the, the negative things are so overwhelming or so they feel like they're so much bigger than the good things. And even though this mom does a plethora of things to engage her daughter in mommy and me time, her daughter wasn't able to see the things that she was doing. And so this is where I'm really a fan of the thank you journal. So every night, me and my kids, we sit down and, and I have them tell me to at least two things. Sometimes they've got more. Two things they're grateful for the day because I want them to acknowledge the good things that are happening in their day. And there's days they forget. I mean, they'll, we'll do cool things like go see a movie at the movie theater. And my, one of my kids won't even remember that we did that. So they had this really neat experience, but at the end of the day, they can't even recall that they did that. And this kind of reiterates the point I was making with the mom is that you got, you got it when your kids don't actually store it and go, oh, that's right. We did that today. They can't, because if they don't store it, then they can't recall it when it's necessary. So when her daughter feels the void, she can't recall the experience to say, oh, no, 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 I'm good. I actually have a good relationship with my mom and we're okay. And so something like a thank you journal is a great way to help reorient that so they can focus on what's right with the world. And I think that's the right way to say it is to celebrate what's right with the world. And I'll tell you what, I got this phrase from a gentleman named DeWitt Jones, and he has a 14 minute movie that I think is one of the most powerful things 
I've ever seen. I actually used to use it for work and I brought it home and showed it to my family because I thought it was that important. And you can look up DeWitt Jones, celebrate what's right with the world. I think all you have to do is put in your email address and you'll get the most updated version of that, of that little 14 minute documentary. And it is so powerful to understand the, the importance of seeing what's right with the world. And the best way to do that is to be in a state of, is to bring yourself into a state of gratitude. But your kids don't know how to do this. There are adults who don't know how to do this. Your partner not, might not be able to do this. And so a thank you journal or a gratitude journal is a great way to bring this about. And I'll tell you, it's amazing. My son last night said, I'm so grateful that my dad spent some time working on my tractor carburetor with me. He's 12. So he's like, and I it was like, it moves me because it means that he's taking it in and integrating it in that I am there with him trying to help him be his very best. What I hope to happen is that as I'm there to help him be his best, he will realize that there is more to him and he will invest the time and energy and he will, it will make it easier for him to do that if he knows I'm there with him, if I've got his back. And so by having him go through the, the thankful journal and identify that is so powerful to that experience and to reinforcing what is true and real versus getting sucked into a void, whatever that void is for you or your child. So the four steps are you got to look and try to figure out and explore what are the factors. The second one is focus on teamwork within your family. The third is help your child take accountability for their actions. They acknowledge it and they're responsible for it. And lastly, it's help them realize what's right with the world. And you can do that by, by going through a process of gratitude. And you don't got to make it a journal. You can make it whatever you want. But getting them into a regular habit of gratitude will have them focus on what is right with the world. If anything ever comes up and you feel stuck and you don't know how to do this or apply this, please feel free to reach out and ask questions or sign up for the class, Parenting to Potential, or sign up and, and we can do a one-on-one -on -one session. I love helping families be their very best and to sort through these problems, especially at a young age, because then they can develop the right habits that are going to help them be the most successful adults. Thank you for tuning in today. I hope this was helpful. Don't hesitate to, to search me on Facebook or Instagram for reels when they pop up from some of my sessions and, and have a great day. Thank you for listening to the podcast today. I hope you realize that even thinking how your relationship with your child could be better is an important step in the process. If you'd like more information on building a strong relationship with your child, go to theparentingcoach.com to learn more. Please subscribe to the podcast or visit Brant the Parenting Coach on Instagram and Facebook. Have a great day.